Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In 2019, we... Walked off the field that last uh, that last time after losing to the Patriots. I wasn't able to be a part of that thing. So I don't know what it was. There's just this vision that God revealed to me that we were going to come back. We were going to be a part of a Super Bowl. We were going to win it. And uh, and somehow somehow I was going to walk off the field as the MVP of the game. And I shared that with my wife because I couldn't tell anyone else obviously what that was but from the moment this postseason started there was just a belief every game it was just it was written already um it was written already and and I just got to play free knowing that um you know I got to play from victory not for victory I will never question anyone's beliefs or motivations, and we have to do what we have to do to get ourselves through life. But I continue to firmly believe that God does not give a crap about who wins the Super Bowl or that kind of thing because only one team out of 31 or 32 win it, and the other team has plenty of guys on there that believe in God and think that God uh, has a plan for them that includes winning a Super Bowl. It's just one of the teams winning, and that story comes to fruition. Nevertheless, Cooper Cup and the Rams win the Super Bowl. He is the MVP. Let's do a little recap of Super Bowl 56, fill in the blank style. The least valuable player of Super Bowl 56 was who, Chris? It's a tough one here. I mean, you, you certainly can look at, like, Jalen Ramsey a little bit, who had a rough day, uh, you know, one of the worst games of his, of his season. I, I, it's hard to single out. I want to say somebody in the Bengals O-line. I just don't know where to go. I don't know. It's somebody there. Really, honestly, other than the Bengals O-line, I'll tell you the other one I want to go with. I really want to go with Zach Taylor in, on the Bengals, you know, the head coach a little bit. I'm annoyed by when I, like I told you, when I was eating dinner last night, kind of, again, I didn't deep dive it, and I will because I got to talk about it on my podcast. 
but know enough and of course got a good feel for the game and had every camera angle sitting in the office of the Super Bowl you know watching the game so really saw it all like the the, the protection plan for the Bengals is just it wasn't good enough uh, and again I know we go well this is a great pass rush I don't care there was nothing done specifically to compound or, or, or fix the issues there was nothing schematically I mean really I, I can't think of like I said tight ends staying in the block back staying in the block chip the defense ends do any of that I can only think of one play where it happened the whole game you got Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Boyd why not keep everybody in 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 you know, and protect Burrow a little bit more and let those three guys work downfield. You got a top-notch quarterback and three awesome receivers. Mike, one of the only plays the whole game, they kept the tight end in the block. Guess what play it was? Oh, the 75-yard touchdown pass to T. Higgins. You know, allowed them to call a play aggressive down the field. You know, yeah, he had a little pressure with Aaron Donald up the middle, but because they had six guys in blocking, really almost seven, he had a place to step up and still deliver the ball. That bothered me watching the game back, Mike. It's just like, hey, we're just going to do what we do, even though we know it's the best pass rush in football. Annoying to me. I'm going to be very literal and very simple with this. I'm going to assume least valuable player comes from the winning team, least valuable to the effort. And, frankly, it's Jalen Ramsey. He, I think he had the worst game of his career Maybe. on the biggest stage. Right. And, and yes, yes, he got his face mask grabbed and pulled. And right. I know that Ron Torbert, the Super Bowl referee, had a pool report that said otherwise. Shocker. Shocker that they would try to tell us 2 plus 2 equals 5. He's got five this play right here, the right, key Mike? moments of the game. Right, right. But, look, uh, it's not that, that's not the standard that Jalen Ramsey set. That's not why the Rams gave up what they gave up to get him. That's, why they, that's not why they paid him what they're paying him. So, um, you know, the big players are expected to make big plays in a big spot, and he failed, plain and simple. No, no doubt. I, I mean, you, you know, you're right. Yeah, I guess if you, if you look at it that way, the, like the least valuable to the effort, yeah, it was a rough day. And certainly, I, I think you're right, though. I think you said it right. It was the worst day of his career. You know, again, he was a little unfortunate. This was definitely unfortunate. That should have been offensive pass interference. But I think between, again, you, took a, you look at the other two biggest pass plays of the game, they were also on Jalen Ramsey. The one we showed, the Jamar Chase from the first field goal drive. You know, even on the last drive where, you know, the Rams ultimately make the stop, the drive starts with Jamar Chase out to the left flat there, and Jalen Ramsey makes a break on the ball and doesn't really play the ball and misses the tackle, and Chase gets an 18-yard gain up the sideline. So uh, I hear you there. It definitely was not his best game. There's no doubt about that. And as we said earlier, uh, he was on the ground, and Jamar Chase was wide open on that key fourth down play where Aaron Donald uh, hurried Joe Burrow and, and kept him from ever getting there, if he ever even would have gotten there, because as you pointed out, Burrow was looking to the left side, but, but maybe that was the setup. Maybe that was the setup before he went for all of it. That would have been the ultimate Joe Burrow move, well, to deliberately look left before going back to the right and firing a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. Well, either way, I think he, he was going to get over there. He was. If he had time, he was going to get over there. He looked to the left. There was nothing open. He was starting to come back right, but then the pressure got on him so quickly. But, man, if that pressure isn't on him that quickly and he just has a few steps to move to the right, he's going to locate Jamar Chase up the sideline with nobody on him. And who knows what can happens. Can you imagine? Right? Can you imagine? Right? It just shows you. It's flashes. It's not even a split second. It's just that. It's just. It is. It's it's that that goes between winner and loser. The biggest game of the year. All right, Blank should be getting more credit for the Rams win. Well, there's a few people here. I don't even know. First off, you know I feel 
Matthew Stafford. I mean, I'm not going to say it again because I opened up the show with it. But, uh, I mean, people acted like that. Like he didn't even play in the game yesterday when I'm watching TV. That annoyed me. I mean, what? He made some of the biggest plays of the game, and they were undermanned. But I won't use that as my real answer here. Okay, I think I'm going to have to go with – you know, I'm going to go with Von Miller. Von Miller, I, I, I look at him as a guy, again, his, his presence was felt during that football game, whether it was the two sacks, a few times making Joe Burrow have to move, do that. He was, uh, he was certainly a difference maker. I, you know, I look at him and even the A'shaun Robinson, who Chris Collins were talked about on the defense line, he made a lot of great plays too. But I'll make Von Miller my official answer. I'm going to go with Eric Weddle. Yeah, and I felt okay. bad we didn't mention him after the You're game. You're right. Torn peck. Played with a torn peck, came off the field, got a harness on, played the rest of the game in pain. This was it. That was his swan song. There's no next week. There's no next year. He's done. And he was able to get the Super Bowl ring, play through the pain, play through the agony, find a way. So he should be getting more credit for what he did, Chris. Yeah, I agreed with you there. I mean, first off, what he did was amazing. The fact that he was even able to come back out of retirement and play at the level he did, you know, put three good playoff games together. I know the Rams were even shocked by it, you know, being with them, you know, the week before the Super Bowl. They were like, isn't it unbelievable? We can't believe we're getting this out of them. They were they were shocked. And then, yeah, to suck it up and be gritty and tough and, and continue to play with the torn pack, holy cow. Scale of 1 to 10, the halftime show was what? Well, listen, I mean, I love the damn halftime show. Absolutely loved it. I, I don't know. Again, I'm biased. It's my generation. It's 90s rap right there. I mean, that's, you know, that's prime Chris Sims growing up. So for me, like, it's a 9 out of a 10. Uh, I don't want to give it a 10 because, you know, 10's like, you know, just that's perfect. But damn, this is a really good one. And it's, I mean, everything around it. You know, I think it's just the way the stadium looked. You know, the lights, everything, it really, I thought, was an awesome, awesome thing. And especially, too, to the fact that it was the first time rap and hip-hop was center stage at the halftime show in the Super Bowl. I give NBC and the NFL a lot of credit for that. And, and did you know that Snoop Dogg smoked weed before the— Oh, I know. I, I love how some people are like— if he didn't. I, like, I love how people are, like, a little offended weed. by these things, some of the things that happened on stage. I want to be like, I could point out— other people like 50 worst things from the year but nobody they, they don't care about that but this they want to get you know they want to nitpick every little detail about it it would only be news if that hand rolled cigarette that snoop was smoking actually contained tobacco that would be the news the <laughs> exactly. fact that he was smoking weed is not news and uh it's not like he was trying to hide it that was snoop doing what snoop does by the way it's legal in california i smelled it everywhere Every, I, pre, I uh, we talked about a pregame i was literally looking around like are guys on the field smoking weed right now i mean it was everywhere <laughs> it was everywhere it was snoop i mean it might have been snoop i don't know there was a lot of people i was close to a lot of stars there on the field certainly but i mean it was like constantly through pregame it was really funny actually I, i'll give it i'll give it an eight i don't i i bet but i i loved the set with yeah. the, the houses and the coming down the steps and into the living room. I had seen those white houses out in the bowels of the stadium right. uh, the day before the game, and I thought, I got a feeling this is going to be pretty good. And the cars out there, and they had the, the flat, like the coverings that were LED lights on. It was, it was very, very well done. Uh, and I, I want to go back and watch the whole thing again. I do it's too. one thing to watch yeah. from the press box, another thing to watch it on TV. Right. All right, the best part about the Super Bowl being in L.A. was what? Well, the weather was great. 
but I, I got to think the ultimately the best part is the stadium. SoFi Stadium, in my opinion, was amazing. Uh, it just it's a special place. It, it's I, I wouldn't be so shocked. I mean, we know the Super Bowl is going to be back there. It, it just I didn't realize, you know, just how well it can be lit up. There's not a bad seat in the stadium. It just is an you know the concourses are incredible. The size of the structure is incredible. I mean, it's like twice the size of any stadium in all of NFL. Uh, to me, that I think that was the best part of the Super Bowl in L.A. Even when you're down in the area where the locker rooms are and it's all very raw and there's exposed pipes and whatnot, it is so much bigger. It's so right. much wider. Right. And the ceiling is so much higher gigantic, than any stadium right? I've ever been right. in. Right. And it, it really is a thing of beauty with the curved uh, – the curved – whatever that – just it looks like a spaceship landed yeah. there. Um I, I still I really like US Bank Stadium because it's different. It is cool. But, I agree. but so far so far was something else. Yeah. And yeah, it's gonna be, I think, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Miami as the prime three. And then they'll sprinkle in others. Phoenix, maybe Houston, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Right. But I think I think it's gonna keep coming back around Miami, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. I can see that. And uh, that's I think that's what's gonna settle into. All right. Let's take a break. When we return, Tom Brady is still on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers active roster. For how long will that be the case? And what the hell is Tom Brady up to? We'll discuss that next on this Tuesday edition of PFP Live. Tom Brady, retired from football but not social media. That was his message on on Sunday. Yeah, sorry, Tom. You didn't qualify this year. I know it's uh, strange for you to not be in the Super Bowl, and you have to wonder if watching that game in any way has given him any desire to, to come back. Look, he, he said on his podcast last week, never say never, and I won't know how I'll feel. I don't know how I'll feel, excuse me, when training camp rolls around. Plenty of speculation that he can come back as soon as this season. I, I think, trying to harmonize the reporting that I've seen, I kind of think he's waiting for the Buccaneers to acquire a veteran quarterback so when he tries to come back, there won't be a spot for him so he can get to the 49ers. That's, that's, I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm not going to even build it up. I'm just going to lay it out. That's my conclusion based on everything I've seen, based on everything I've heard. I think he, I think he wants the Buccaneers to make their plan A for 2022 so when <clears> he <throat> decides to come back, he, he, he can finagle a release – or a trade for not very much to San Francisco, Chris? Maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I guess I don't feel that way. I know that's out there. I understand it. I know people want to connect the dots between San Francisco and that. But, I mean, just everything we've heard, and the family, all that, and now we're going to move them across the country for a year to do that. The family, I, you know, I think he's – Everybody I talked to, including when we talked to Mike Evans at Radio Row last week, everybody's seen Gerard Mayo. He He's done. I, I just feel like he won't close the door because he's not sure how he's going to feel once football starts. So he keeps, like, leaving these little, you know, cracks there just in, just in case. My heart of hearts, I feel like he's done. People I know that know him a little bit do feel like he's done. But, yeah, when you keep making – you know, these little under the, you know, sly comments like that, never say never, or I'm very comfortable with my, con you know, decision, but, you know, that type of stuff, people are going to speculate. They are. 
And then, you know, like you're talking about with the 49ers, yeah, people wonder if they're ready to go with Trey Lance right now and do that. Oh, oh, wait, maybe it's one more year bridge. I understand that thought. I do. I just I have a hard time thinking it's real. Yeah, it, it was just so odd that six days after he retired, he dropped that never say never nugget. And I don't know how I'll feel. And last night on the final episode of his podcast. Yeah. What did he say? What was season, the quote? Well, J- Jim Gray said, you know, you're going to be working out and staying in shape and it's going to start all sorts of rumors. He's already started the rumors himself. Yeah. By saying never say never. Right. Like it was some awkward effort to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Come on. Why don't you already started it yourself? Well, let me just say this. Like, don't you think Brady is at a point where if he did want to stay and play and go to the 49ers, that he could have just been like Tampa. I don't want to play for you. I want to go one more year to the 49ers. And I feel like they would have probably like, you know, uh, you know, uh, done it. I, I think he's like, gotten to such a point where I, I feel like he didn't. He doesn't need to go through these hoops or, or jump through these hoops to finagle his way to San Francisco. I feel like if he literally just said it, everybody would go, well, let him go. It's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. And he's done so much for our organization already. I feel like he could have pulled that off without having to do everything he's doing right now to get there. We don't know what conversations have happened behind yeah, the scenes. you're right. Right. And – and, and I think he would want to do it in a way that insulates him from any criticism. Yeah, okay. That, you know, if, if it just kind of plays out, if it just kind of plays out, and this is the key, he's still on the active roster. He will be at least until June 1 because if they move him off of the roster now, either by releasing him, trading him, or putting him on the reserve retired list, they take a $32 million cap charge for this year. After June 1, it's $8 million this year, $24 million in 2023. They could just keep him on the active roster indefinitely. I asked the league over the weekend, is there some magic word that he says? Is there some piece of paper he files that forces the Buccaneers to put him on the reserve retired list? No. They can keep him on the active roster. And he's only got a compensation package of $2.5 million. So it's not a much larger cap number to keep right. him on the roster. They right. can do it if they want. Uh, the key is going to be what do they do after June 1? Do they put him on reserve retired and continue to hold his rights? Do they leave him on the active roster? Do they cut him? And, and I, I don't think it's impossible to conclude that last year when he agreed to do an extension, because he originally did a two-year contract, he did an extension last year that created cap space. Maybe he said to them, that's fine, I'll do the extension, but I, I don't want to be committed beyond 2021. Sure. I want to be able to leave if I choose to. Will you let me go? And how would they say no to him? Again, there's no reason for him to let that play out publicly. Work it out behind the scenes. They release him, you know, uh, via con Dios, and then, and then uh, maybe he can go to the 49ers. And if the 49ers trade Jimmy Garoppolo and they have Trey Lance, they, they could – I mean, a, a bridge year with Tom Brady? I would rather have Tom Brady than Trey Lance this year. How about you? With that team that they have, Super Bowl ready, Tom Brady back for one year trying to get number eight in his, his hometown or close to it. I would go for that over Trey Lance. I, I get it. I do. I mean, I, I hear you. You're right. For one year, I, I would too. I would. You know, it just the, the other issue is, of course, you know, you got a quarterback again, like we've talked about in San Francisco, that's three first-round picks. The biggest issue is he needs to play and get more reps, and now we're going to go another year without him playing football. That, that, to me, would be my biggest concern if I'm the 49ers. But, like, at a base level, what you're talking about, I'm with you. Gonna t- Brady's still really damn good. We know that. 
If you protect him, he will dice you up. His arm is still top-notch. So I hear you there. I guess I just have a hard time thinking it'll happen, especially all the talk about, you know, he hasn't been there, my family, blah, 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 and now we're going to go to the move to California. That's where I, I guess I question it more than anything. I don't think there will be any impediment from the Buccaneers because of, like, what you said. I think there's already been closed-door situations where it's like, hey, Tom, we got you for two years. You're right. That's all we wanted. Thanks for doing the contract negotiation, the extension, so we could sign some of these other players. They're not going to ask for any money back or anything if he does retire. I don't think any of that happens. I really don't. Um, and in my heart of hearts, I don't think he's going to be back. I think he's done. I really do. He was due $15 million on February the They're not going to ask for that. 4th. Just a couple of days after he retired, oh, yeah. but, but they they'd be within their rights to not pay yes, him because right. he'd owe sixteen million back to them, and he does owe technically if they want it sixteen million back, uh, they they could have just withheld the check. Who knows? Who knows? But but the, the guy delivered you a Super Bowl. He yes. made you relevant, extremely right. relevant for two years. There, there's a question of whether or not you just give the guy the money because frankly at 25 million a year he was woefully he was a underpaid bargain. it was a right he could he could you're right he could have made things really difficult on them and said what i'm still playing at a level that's i should not be making eight million dollars less than jared goff i mean he certainly could have made life very very hard on them no doubt he did him he did them a solid i'd be shocked like you said it's relevant it's a super bowl win you know, yeah, it's only one year of selling out the stadium. The jersey was still the hottest jersey in all of football for two years in a row. I mean, they won. The Buccaneers won. I would be shocked if they asked for one cent back from Tom Brady. In 2020, Tom Brady signed a contract that pays out $25 million a year. Drew Brees signed a one-year $25 million deal with the Saints. Phillip Rivers signed a one-year $25 million deal with the Colts. I remember saying at the time, Phillip Rivers should have a ski mask on to get the same amount as Breeze <laughs> and Brady for that one-year deal. Now yeah. the Colts have Carson Wentz. One of the Super Bowl Sunday splash reports was that the Colts are likely to trade or release Carson Wentz. Contract calls for his full $22 million base salary to be guaranteed as of March 18. Colts gave up their first-round pick in 22 and their third-round pick last year to get Wentz. They clearly are exasperated with him. I think the vaccination stuff really stuck in Jim Irsay's craw. Some of the things he's been saying, either standing outside his private jet or sitting on his private jet, some Twitter videos we've seen, even though he denies it's about Wentz, I think at a certain level it's about Wentz, and it won't surprise me if they move on. They reportedly are looking to, and that becomes an attractive destination for a veteran quarterback, Chris. Definitely. I mean, that is a team that has got a lot of things to like if you're a a free, uh, you know, a veteran quarterback that's looking for a new home. There's, there's no doubt about it. I'm not shocked to hear these type of things. And though, again, we, you and I heard a lot of these rumors throughout the year. Yeah, the vaccination thing was was certainly an issue early on. They didn't like the leadership he was showing there, and it went, it came back and bit, bit bite them in the butt at the end of the year. You know, what was it, the Raiders game that they lost? He missed a whole week of practice. He wasn't cleared right to the day before the game. He didn't play very good in that game either. I mean, so you can say what you want. Yeah, he didn't miss the game, but it still affected him. It doesn't matter. You know, I think the fact that they traded him, it's only $22 million, and they're going to lose those draft picks, a first-rounder, and they're ready to get rid of I think it just says it all. I mean, because $22 million is, is nothing for a quarterback. You know, a guy that you think could maybe take you to the Super Bowl is nothing. Take you to the Super Bowl, $22 million? So, obviously, they don't think he's that guy. 
You know, and again, I think you also look at it the way you started out the year. It wasn't playing bad, but it wasn't playing good. It wasn't playing like to the level of, whoa, we traded a first and a third round for you and you're carrying the team. Absolutely not. You know, I think that's the big, you know, big issue. You know, not really having very few moments during the year where you go, oh, if we didn't have Carson Wentz, we wouldn't have won that game. I mean, there was really very few. I, I look at maybe the Arizona Cardinal game on Christmas night where he made a few plays where I go, man, that was, that was big time. That's where they got him. But other than that, I don't know if there's really any of those moments either. So I think you couple that, you know, with a guy that we know is history, a little bit being weird in the, or, in the, the locker room, not the greatest leadership skills, you know, not the vaccination status, not leaving you that, leading you that way. And then the play on the field wasn't exactly, exactly exempl, uh, you know, top-notch. I won't even try to say the word. Um, exemplary. Exemplary. I you were exactly. Do it. I, I almost yeah. did. I just chickened out. Uh, Who's their week one yeah. quarterback then? Who's their I don't week one know. guy? I Jimmy G? Maybe. Aaron Rodgers? I mean, it, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. I, I, I have no idea. But I, I would think, like, like, to your point, you know, you got Michael Pittman Jr., you got a good offensive line, you got good tight ends, you got a superstar running back, you know, T.Y. Hilton, yeah, it's coming to an end. Paris Campbell, though, if he could ever stay healthy, we see what he does. He does good things. You know, they're only a player or two away. Defense is top-notch. They're a team that's certainly, you know, uh, just on the outside looking in to go, ooh, they make a few moves. They can be right in the thick of things as one of the best teams in the AFC. Aaron Rodgers has played the Colts twice in Indianapolis. He's 0-2. 0-2, right. Yeah. I know, but. You know, between the Broncos and the Colts, I know Nathaniel Hackett's the coach of the Broncos, but I think I got a better path to where I want to get to. With the Colts. Well, and, you know, again, at base level, you're gonna, they're gonna, the Colts are going to look at it and go, we got to the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, who was at the end of his career. We were in a position to get to the playoffs, and all we had to do was win a home game against the Raiders or win a road game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in that game, the guy we traded for to get us over the hump, to get us into the playoffs and be more dangerous, he couldn't get it done. I think that's where you look at it, and let alone, I don't know some of the other issues that we dealt with off the field, you know. You know, don't know that. There's an injury issue. I mean, he was banged up a lot during the year. So there's a lot of things there that I think work against Carson Wentz, and uh, I, I understand this thought that he might not be there. I do get it. I'm, I'm envisioning your guy Aaron Rodgers in his Colts helmet. I kind of like it. He'd look good. I kind of like it. He'd, he would I look good. I kind of like it. <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, some final thoughts, at least for now, on the Super Bowl. A Super Bowl statement draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. During the season, we would do a Sunday statement draft every Monday. It's the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. Let's do the Super Bowl statement draft. Christopher, I'll give you the first pick. Well, I, I mean, it's it's Matthew Stafford. I mean, that, that, that to me is the, the one of the biggest statements. It's a guy who, 
you know, changes his whole career perception in, in one moment. Winning a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl champion. He has as many Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers now. That doesn't even sound right coming out of your mouth, but it's How a real thing. dare you? Right. I know. I know. But that, that to me. And, again, even within that, I still don't feel like he's getting enough credit for one of the clutchest drives we've seen in the history of football. I don't. But either way, no one can look at him anymore and go, oh, he's a choker or they don't win in the playoffs or any of that. He's a winner. He always was a winner. He's always been a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. He's been on crappy teams. It's hard to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback when you're on crappy teams. He disproved all the rumors in one year. So I go with Stafford. All the more reason for other veteran quarterbacks out there who are on Seriously. bad teams to right. look around for better spots. Two for two they now are the yeah. last two years between Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford. i got to go with Aaron Donald, the PFT yeah. Super Bowl MVP. I've, yeah, done, yeah, yeah. I've done an unofficial poll of my writers, and they've all said Aaron Donald, except the ones who haven't. Those will be ignored. <laughs> I count the votes. Actually, they're all on board with Aaron uh. Donald. It's Aaron Donald. And uh, at the culmination of his career, he may be walking away, and if he chooses to do so, we respect it. It makes the San Francisco situation even more attractive for Tom Brady if he does. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that he was the guy who should have been the MVP. He made the statement, and he, on that drive – after the interception that was off of Ben Skoranek's hands, when it felt like the Bengals could blow the game open, two sacks from Aaron Donald, his two sacks for the game on that drive that held the Bengals to a field goal and kept the game from getting almost out of hand for the Rams. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I mean, that, that, that is the MVP. And, you know, it's, it's a strong statement. We know that. We knew he was awesome. Should have won the MVP. Fix the issue, NFL. Your process is stupid. Okay. Next one. I, I think, I'm, again, I'm going to go to the Von Miller well here again. I mean, just a guy that's coming to the end of his career. Okay. I don't know when we're coming to it because he still looks damn explosive and strong and like a difference maker. I mean, Von Miller, you know, again, he just older guy, gets on a new team, new energy. I mean, he was phenomenal down the stretch of the regular season into the playoffs. You know, he was he was almost every bit as good as Aaron Donald as far as being a difference maker on that side of the football. Plays the run, gets after the quarterback, messes plays up like we talk about. Von Miller put the statement out there that he's still one of the better edge pass rushers in all of football. It's amazing the Super Bowl MVP is the fourth pick in the yeah. draft. I have to go with Cooper Cup. The two touchdown catches, the the uh, the move to the outside, and you know we talked about this after the game. I think that really was the Odell Beckham play, and I think I saw yesterday where Cup ended up in that spot because Beckham was injured to run that fade. Right, that's not his play. And Eli Apple cheated to the inside. Cup convinced him to cheat to the inside. You know some of that that dance that happens before sure. the play that right. gets guys moved around just a little bit, cheat a little bit here. Apple cheese to the inside, cup breaks to the outside, catches the game-winning touchdown pass. All right, we'll do round three when we wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Super Bowl statement draft round three is upon us. It's been all Rams so far. Will it be a clean six-man sweep for the Rams. Chris, you're up. No, I'm going to change it. You know, there, there's some people that deserve some credit on the Bengals. I mean, we know Joe Mixon played really well. I think the one I'm going to go with, though, is Jamar Chase. I, I, you know, say what you want. He made a statement in that game. He, that he's, he's not, you cannot cover him with one human. There, there's, there's just no way. He's too special. He might be the best receiver in football. He's certainly one of the top two or three. Uh, but he's a game-changer like we saw.
OBJ for me. Yeah. He played a limited role. He was the best receiver on the Rams. He was on track to possibly yeah, be the MVP he was, that's where before it's the gonna, non-contact oh, ACL tear. Gosh. They fear it's an ACL tear. Horrible news for him. Heading into free agency, hey, Rams, of all the guys you need to take care of financially, he's one of them too. Work out a deal with him. Act like he was already under contract. Get him taken care of. No doubt. He's going to face a long recovery. Now, of the same knee, somebody gets the same team, the Bengals in 2020. That's it for now. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. Have a great day. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.